You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we are talking about your pet on the program today. There's been a lot of debate recently about how to get uh, the right health care for you and your family. What about one of the most important members of the family, your pet? Well, Dr. Melinda Hillegas from Mountain View Veterinary Health Center in North Logan and Providence is answering your pet health and care questions. Dr. Hillegas graduated from Colorado State University School of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, and she practiced on the West Coast, Portland, Washington, before uh, coming to Mountain View Veterinary Health Center with uh, branches, Dr. Hillegas, in North Logan and Providence. That's right. Uh, So that was 1997. Mountain View Veterinary Health Center uses Western veterinary medicine, also offers chiropractic, acupuncture, and herbal treatment for large, small, and exotic animals. Uh, Maybe just let me get that question out of the way immediately. Exotic animals, what's the most exotic you've treated? Well, I had the pleasure of uh, working at Willow Park Zoo over the years, and I would say for those of you who have been in Cache Valley for a while, if you remember the old black bear. Uh, that was there. She was the oldest black bear on ISIS records. She was 34 when she passed away, and I did several root canals for her, and so, uh, or local dentists did the root canals. I ran the anesthesia, but nothing quite like putting your hand in a bear's mouth, awake or or asleep. That would be a little nerve-wracking, even anesthetized, I guess. Yes, it was, but we all sang the bear necessities, and everything came out all right. Um, so your questions uh, right now, your opportunity for this hour to ask Dr. Hillegas any question, uh, pet behavior, uh, your, your pet's health. Uh, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Let me uh, throw in a couple of these uh, Facebook posts. Uh, these are just, uh, I, I love doing this kind of a show, Dr. Hillegas, because you get such cute pictures. Uh, this is a picture. This is our original post on Facebook. Uh, this is Bandit, beloved pet, now unfortunately deceased, of Axis Utah producer Bennett Purser. Um, and uh, he's very cute. as a little uh, white dog, and unfortunately uh, now gone. And Bennett says that he, he still remembers him fondly. Um, and so responding to that post, we had uh, five other people like that post, uh, Kara Purser, uh, Carrie Purser, and, of course, Bennett himself, Nancy Williams, and uh, Tamara um, can't, my eyes are so bad I can't read your name, but Tara, you know who you are. And then Elaine Thatcher responds with a picture of her very cute dog. This is Oreo, and I can see why she calls him Oreo. Uh, he's black and white, uh, nice little dog. He loves to bark at cars that pass my house. Thankfully, I'm on a pretty quiet street. He's my sweetie, she says. Thanks, Elaine, for that. Also commenting on this post, uh, Jessica Wolfley. This is Sherlock, her uh, her black cat. We adopted him from Four Paws Rescue four months ago, and he's the sweetest cat. Everyone has uh, good and bad things to say about each brand of cat food. Which one is the best? So there's a question from uh, Jessica. Okay, let's talk about food because that's a big, huge issue. Um, one of the things I like people to realize first is that all pet foods are not created equal. Uh, when we think about food as human beings, we have grade A food, right? Grade A eggs, grade A milk. Um, But if there's a grade A food, then there's obviously going to be grade B, C, and D foods as well. And so when you look at an ingredient list on any pet food and it has corn or wheat or chicken or beef, realizing that unless it is a premium food, premium indicates that it is grade A foodstuffs. So if it is not, and, you know, you have to be careful with labeling as well, um, but you cannot be sure that that corn doesn't have a certain level of mold, herbicide residue, rad or spider parts in it. Um, and so that is how food is not created equal. One thing I want to address specifically with cat food in general is male cats are prone to a disease of the lower urinary tract system where they produce crystals in their urine as a byproduct of the quality of food that they're eating. That's one of the things that uh, influences that disease. And so poor quality cat foods allow crystals to build up in this cat's urine, and then they have trouble, they get infections, they have mucus, and these cats, males usually, will actually block to where they cannot urinate at all. And so that is obviously a life-threatening issue. If you can't go to the bathroom within about 10 to 12 hours, you're going to have a serious problem. And so food in male cats especially 
doing a quality diet um, that is formulated for good urinary health, pH, um, is absolutely imperative because what you save on that cheaper cat food, you will pay five times over to try and save that cat if they end up having that problem. I have a, uh, a question relating to uh, an ad I see frequently on television. You're probably familiar with this. I'll just say the name of the company because it's it's so prevalent on the channel that I t- tend to watch a lot. Uh, Blue Buffalo, and it's, it seems to be. And I sit there watching this this ad, and it, uh, two things come to mind. Uh, both maybe commentaries on on culture today, they seem to be uh, positioning themselves as very high end sort of gourmet pet food. Mostly, it looks like dog food. Um, and I wonder, are, are pet owners are they seem to be willing to pay a higher premium these days for you know you want what this ad what this company is trying to get people to do is is it looks like pay a little more and you're assured that you have the very top ingredients mm-hmm. and that is something to be mindful of um, blue buffalo is um, definitely one of the higher end diets uh, along with science diet um, imes as well although um, Definitely, Perina is sort of the last place I would go. Um, anything lower than that, you know, I tell people all the time, there's a reason they can sell a bag of dog food for 50 pounds of dog food for nine ninety nine, mm-hmm. right? So it goes back to that quality issue that we talked about earlier. Um, but I think people are willing to pay that. I think that as our society learns more and more about health and nutrition and disease prevention, you understand that you are what you eat. And so um, I think as a society, we should be willing to um, pay more for higher quality ingredients. But that's the key is you have to be sure that what you're buying is really worth what you're paying, mm-hmm. right? And that just takes time and energy to get on those websites and evaluate those diets and see what their philosophy is. One of the things that I appreciate about Hill Science Diet, besides it being a premium diet, is that um, they do tons of medical research. And so where are those companies putting their money? Are they putting it back into animals? Are they putting it back into um, research and development in trying to find not only diets to keep them healthy, but diets that can also be used to treat medical, you know, diseases? Um, And so... That is something that I think people might want to be interested in when they're looking at pet food as well. Hmm. What are those companies doing for the animals? Right. So we get online, do some research. Mm-hmm. What's a what's a minimum? I mean, you know, can I can I be okay? Feel okay getting the old generic off the off the <laughs> shelf for my you know? Because this, this these types of ads are designed to kind of make you feel guilty for you know for going for generic. They don't want you to pay a little more, right? Right. You get what you pay for, mm-hmm. I think, when it comes to food. Um, that's not to say that there's not some overpriced foods out there. But um, but no, I, I believe that food is something that, that you really um, – the more expensive foods tend to be worth it. Mm-hmm. And the pets tend to kind of follow our lifestyle, don't they? We were talking before we went on the air that uh, if you – if your dog is out on a farm, he's probably going to, you know, not going to be obese. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but your dog or cat may be uh, in town, maybe following the lifestyle you live, is perhaps going to, you know, going to pick up some of those habits. Yep, and that goes back to diet as well. You know, there's lots of different diets on the market, some for high-energy dogs, um, some that have more protein than others if you've got a heavily working dog, um, some that are higher calorie content per cup. I mean, that's one thing that people don't realize often is that one cup of dog food can be anywhere from 265 calories a cup to over 400 calories per cup. Well, that's a very different situation depending upon how many cups of food you're feeding that dog. Mm. And so, um, you know, that's another thing to look at when you're looking at food is what is the calorie content of that. Along those lines, human food tends to be very calorie dense. And so those of us who are giving in to those big brown, sad looking eyes at the kitchen table more often than we should, um, you know, we're influencing the number of calories those animals are taking in. And especially if you have a small dog, it does not take much to overextend their calories for the day, um, which obviously leads to weight gain. Hmm. And the dog probably wants to go out and exercise. So if we follow, follow the dog out the door, maybe that'll help us. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the the other uh, strain of thought that I have when I'm when I'm seeing this in in as I mentioned this channel plays this ad ad nauseum. So I I, I tend to analyze this as I'm, I'm watching it. Very well produced, by the way. Uh, is it, it seems to me a shift, and maybe I just haven't paid attention 
because I'm a pet uncle and I, I you know like to visit my sister's cats, but I I don't own pets. But the language in the ad is very much mom and dad, and and this dog is a is a member of our family kind of a thing. And I think pets have always been a member of the family, but it, that that strain has seemed to intensified. And I agree time. with that. I agree with that. I would say since I graduated from vet school in 95, um, over the last 15, 20 years, we have certainly seen a very gradual but consistent shift in how animals are viewed within our society and within our own homes. Um, when I was a kid, the dog was part of the family, but that did not mean necessarily that that animal got the level of care that you know, the human beings in the family got. And over time, we've seen a definite shift in that. Um, you know, we diagnose cancer in pets just like we um, have in people, and more and more people pursue chemotherapy or uh, cancer surgeries to try and save or prolong their life. So those types of things, um, there are, you know, specialists in veterinary medicine. I'm a general practitioner, but if I had pursued a residency in, let's say, ophthalmology or surgery or something like that, then there are specialists now who do just those things, you know. And uh, so if your animal has cataracts, you can take it to a veterinary ophthalmologist specialist and have cataract surgery done to, you know, um, give your animal sight again. And so there are all those different specialties now that are available and more common than they were 20 years ago. And it seems like there's been a shift in the level of care that people are wanting for their for their pets. Absolutely, you see that. I see that on a daily basis. Um, and not only what can we do if the animal's already sick, but what can we do from a preventative standpoint? And one of those big things, as we've already talked about, is diet. You know, and nutrition. Um, but yeah, people really, really do want it more and more. We're talking with Dr. Melinda Hillegas. She is with the Mountain View Veterinary Health Center. They have uh, clinics in uh, North Logan and Providence. And we're answering your pet health care and behavior questions. Dr. Hillegas can offer can answer your, your behavior questions. Those are some of the, the most vexing and popular questions. You're welcome to join this conversation if you would like at 1-800-826-1495. Tell us about your pet. And it's an opportunity for you to ask your question, 1-800-826-1495, or you can join us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, take a minute to go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, post a picture of your pet, and a message. We'll get that message on during this hour. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com and our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. We're going to talk about emergency preparedness as it comes uh, with regard to your pet. Uh, this has been brought to the fore with uh, the troubles in Colorado that we've been seeing. Uh, how are you going to take care of your pet if an emergency comes? We'll also talk about um, the death decision. And also costs that you put into caring for your pet uh, should they have a, uh, a chronic uh, condition. Some of those questions along with your questions to come following the break. Did you know that positive coping strategies can help slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease and dementia? So, if you're a caregiver, take care of yourself, count your blessings, and ask for help when you need it. Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread. At 300 South and 300 West in Logan, now open Monday through Saturday until 2, with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries, with local seasonal fruits and lunch sandwiches. And USU, Partners in Business, 39th Annual Operational Excellence Conference, October 2nd and 3rd at the USU Eccles Conference Center, featuring keynote speakers Joseph Swartz, Brian Crowell, and Richard Williams. Details at partners.usu.com. You're listening to Access U. Tom Tom Williams. My guest for the hour is Dr. Melinda Hillegas from Mountain View Veterinary Health Center. 
They have clinics in North Logan and Providence, and uh, she's available to answer your pet questions. Health care and behavior. And we are uh, encouraging you to go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, share a picture of your cute pet, and with a message. We're sharing those messages, encouraging you to go and look at those pictures on Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Here's a message from Eric Jungblut. Uh, UPR uh, intern Eric Jungblut here, he says, These are my two dogs, Janie, the yellow lab. And they're, by the way, they're uh, lounging on the couch. They're very cute. Uh, the yellow lab and a small uh, brown dog. Uh, Janie, the yellow lab, and Baxter. They're back home with my family in Las Vegas, and I miss them dearly. They don't always get along. They often bark and nip at each other, to my annoyance, but they're my pups, and I love them. Janie loves to hop in the pool, especially during hot Vegas summers. <laughs> Good. Smart. Very smart. And then here is a picture. It's kind of dark, kind of hard to see, but there are two black cats, I believe. This is from Teresa Alpress. This is my menagerie, a big black cat named Luxio and a small black dog named Sasha. Oh, the other one's a dog. Sorry. They are very rarely get along. Sasha likes chewing on Luxio's ears, while Luxio rather hates it. So this is a dark picture of Sasha wistfully eyeing the numbable ears of a wary cat who isn't afraid to bite anyone who bites him. <laughs> so. And anybody who has cats and dogs in their home know that as a general rule, those cats rule, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah, it seems to be the personality of the cat. It's, the, the cats are always going to get the upper hand. Uh, so those are some pictures and messages on our Facebook page. We encourage you to post yours there as well so everybody can uh, can see your, your cute pet. Uh, call us and tell us about your pet as well, 1-800-826-1495. Perhaps you have an exotic pet. Uh, the uh, Mountain View Veterinary Health Center uh, says they uh, treat large, small, and exotic animals. Dr. Hillegas said she uh, treated a, it was a black bear, black the, bear yes. at the Willow, Willow Park Zoo. The number is 1-800-826-1495, or you can reach us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Let me talk uh, next. Uh, let us talk, uh, Dr. Hillegas, about emergency preparedness. Uh, we've seen people displaced in the Colorado flooding. And, of course, when you're displaced, your pets are displaced as well. Uh, probably good to have an emergency plan in place. It is. It's imperative that you have an emergency plan in place when you have animals. And, obviously, the bigger the animal, um, the more planning it would take place. If you've got livestock or what have you, you just can't sort of put them in the car and go. Um, But how often do we hear about emergency preparedness here in this valley, people having 72-hour emergency kits or something like that? And uh, I would say that how many of those people who have those emergency kits have emergency kits for their pets? Um, And that includes any medication that they might be on, um, as well as food, obviously. You know, is it in a watertight container, you know, so that it Wet kibble, not going to help. That's right. Uh, And just from day-to-day living, um, sometimes people have trouble feeding their pets. And so there there are food drives. Yes. So one thing that we were talking – I was talking about with Tom earlier is – People are very mindful of others who are going hungry, and there's times during the year where food drives happen. And one of the things that um, our clinic started doing a few years ago was doing a food drive in October. Uh, During the same time, you're seeing lots of food drives for the local food pantry going on because a lot of people don't appreciate that if people are having a hard time, a difficult time, they're out of a job or they've fallen on hard times and they're not being able to provide food for themselves, they very well aren't providing food likely for their pets either. And yet, are we, by helping them, we can keep them from having to give up the pet to a shelter situation. And so we're keeping those animals out of the shelter. And we're also providing that love and care and unconditional, you know, joy that animals bring into our lives. And in a hard time, um, if we can just help those people with some food needs, we can do that. And so we do a food drive. Um, We like um, if people will come in and donate. And then we have an arrangement with Hill Science Diet to buy food at roughly cost. Um, And then it allows premium quality food going into the shelters or these other rescue facilities in the area um, that allow those animals to be on a high-quality, consistent diet for as long as possible. And so um, we've had really great success over that in the last few years. Last year, it kind of fell off. I, You know, maybe the economy impacted that a little bit, but certainly it's, uh, 
if people could keep it in mind, it's a great thing to do. So how do people uh, participate? Um, they can come by either of our facilities and uh, just give us a donation, and we will apply that to a certain amount of pounds of food. Um, and then we just correlate all those funds at the end, buy big, huge kennel packs of both dog and cat foods, and then we've tended to distribute them to local shelters. You'll be doing this in October? We will. Okay. And that's uh, Mountain View uh, Veterinary Health Center. They have uh, clinics in North Logan and in Providence. And uh, Dr. Melinda Hilligas is here from from Mountain View uh, Veterinary uh, Health Center uh, to answer your questions. And uh, so we're encouraging you to go on the Facebook page, post a picture, and then call in with your question. Um, we do have a, another post here uh, on our Facebook page, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. This is uh, Tamara Ratieta. hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Tamara. Here are our two Shire draft horses, two, a couple of uh, large uh, black horses. Um, we've had we we've had Whisper, the one on the right, for three years, and Leo for just a month. There are big, gentle giants. You can see my daughter standing between them, and she is indeed small compared to them. Uh, they're wonderful horses, and they get along so good together. That's uh, Tamara Hamblin Radietta with her uh, draft uh, Shire draft horses, Whisper and Leo. Uh, have, have you treated, do you treat horses? Do you treat animals that large? We do. Um, I'm a small animal exotic veterinarian, but our other veterinarians do large and small. So yes, we do horses. So let me uh, try quickly to get to uh, where I need to, because we've just had another post come in, it looks like. Uh, if I can get to that, we're encouraging you to go to our Utah Public Radio uh, Facebook page and post a picture of your pet. Uh, brag on your pet. Give us uh, give us a message about them, and then people can go, of course, and, and view the picture. Here's from uh, Renee Fleming. Uh, along with Duke, I have a great dog that trail rides with us. Regardless, regarding emergency preparedness, we have a vet... A kit that is in the trailer uh, with a backup for food, uh, changed out to keep it fresh, um, and first aid supplies for both them and me. We also have a plan with a friend that in the event of fire, we can take our horses for safekeeping until the danger is past. And there's, uh, I believe that's Renee sitting on her, uh, looks like a brown horse in, in a river. So that's, uh, that's a very nice picture. Uh, so the emergency preparedness, uh, that is important to have a plan. It is, and Renee makes a good point in regards to if you're, being, if you're out in the wilderness, you're camping, hiking with your dogs, um, one thing that just popped into my mind is rattlesnake. Uh, we do have rattlesnakes here in the area. We see a few rattlesnake bites a year. Uh, there is rattlesnake vaccinations for dogs um, so that the venom uh, isn't quite as detrimental to their system as it would be normally, although those dogs still require intensive care. Um, but having a having uh, first aid supplies um, and your veterinarians can help you, you know, recommend to you what sort of products you might want to keep in those bags if you're not sure. So that's a great idea, Renee. Good for you. And uh, doctor, you were telling me before we went out of the air about uh, someone who's trained their cats for an emergency. It was just extraordinary to me. Yeah. I, I, I don't know you train a cat. <laughs> she's she's one of a kind, this lady, but she trained her cats to, um, when the fire alarm in their home goes off, she has trained them to go downstairs and get into their pet carriers. And then, of course, she gives them a treat and they have little fire drills. But cats are especially, you know, tricky when it comes to something like a house fire. Unlike a dog who's most likely going to be right by your side, is going to most likely come when called, Cats are very um, secretive. They're going to go hide if they're afraid. How are you going to find that cat in the back corner of the closet? How are you going to drag that cat out from under the bed if you're trying to get out of the home in a hurry? Um, perhaps it isn't a fire. Perhaps it's an earthquake or, you know, someone's giving you three minutes to grab whatever you can to get out of the house. Um, so something to think about. Um, how can you train these animals to be available in an emergency so that you can get them uh, kenneled safely and out of the home mm -hmm. safely? Now, is this just a extraordinary person, strong-willed person? Can you, uh, can you even train a cat? <laughs> you can train cats. And um, Allison Brown is our trainer that we have at our Providence Clinic. And uh, she's the only dog cer certified dog trainer in Cache Valley. Um, and she has done some amazing things with her cats. They are a whole different animal 
no pun intended, yeah. than dogs. Um, and this, so they take different ideas and concepts and of reward and that sort of thing. Um, but it can be done, and working with them regularly stimulates them and you in lots of different ways. We, Tom and I talked a little bit about behavioral issues in animals, and keeping animals stimulated and involved and working um, is definitely something that's good for their mental health. And then you're also getting the extra benefit of an animal that will listen to you or do what you ask when you ask it, and at some point their safety might depend on that. So it's a win-win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how that would be a great advantage for this lady to, if the cats are trained just to leave the house and go out to the kennel. Then she doesn't have to worry about it. Right. For, especially for a cat, as you're saying. Here's a picture that's coming by email, a couple of pictures, and uh, we'll get – this is from Haley Housley, who's an, an intern here at uh, UPR. We'll get her to post these on our Facebook page so you, everybody can see it. But it's a very, very cute – Looks <laughs> like a pug. A little pug. And this is one – the first picture is when, when uh, Cujo is a puppy. And then there's another picture with Cujo is fully grown and uh, looks like Cujo is really enjoying him or herself. Uh, this is a picture with, uh, with Cujo lying on his or her back. And uh, from, from, the, from the ceiling view, it looks like Cujo's just enjoying uh, growing herself. All grown up, ate too much turkey at Thanksgiving is the caption on that photo. So <laughs> we get Haley to post those on Facebook so everybody can see those. Uh, you can join this conversation on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Post a picture of your pet. We'd love to see those. And, uh, and give us your questions as well and, uh, and tell us a little bit about your pet. We've been enjoying these uh, as we go along today. It's Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can reach us by email as well, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Or you can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, toll free anywhere you're listening uh, statewide or in uh, parts of surrounding states where we're broadcasting to. Uh, and we have with us Dr. Melinda Hillegas. Uh, she is with uh, Mountain View Veterinary Health Center, which has clinics in North Logan and Providence. Let me uh, talk uh, next about uh, end-of-life decisions. I know this can be a wrenching decision for a you know, pet owner. Um, I've seen my sisters go through this. Um, but there's a, kind of a difference with, with uh, those decisions with the pets as, as opposed to humans, although that gap is, is somewhat narrowing. That's right. Um, euthanasia or end-of-life decisions, you know, are very difficult for people. They're very emotional. Um, there's elements of uh, guilt that people experience when making that decision. You know, is it the right decision? Is it not? Is it the right time? Am I being too early? Have I waited too long? Um, and so, and then there are financial considerations, you know, something that as human beings in human medicine, we don't really take into account. But when you're dealing with animals with chronic disease or end-of-life issues, um, you know, there's always a financial consideration um, there as well as far as can I afford to continue? Um, is the quality of life they have worth continuing? Um, and veterinarians can never make that decision for a client or shouldn't ever make that decision for a client. But um, I take that part of my job very seriously in allowing people to talk and work through what they're thinking and feeling about that. And then I can offer my expertise in regards to hopefully I've known that animal its whole life. You know, I've seen it um, as it has progressed into old age, and I can give them just my thoughts um, about where I think they're coming from. And one thing that I tell people often when we're talking about end-of-life issues is that there may be one perfect time to euthanize your animal. Um, But the reality is, is that euthanasia is often a window of opportunity where that animal has entered into that window. They're debilitated. They're sick. Their quality of life is low. Um... And some people may make the decision to euthanize earlier in that window, where you and I, Tom, may may look at that and think, gosh, you know, maybe that's a little too soon, you know, or their friends or their family might say that. Other people may wait much later in that window when maybe other people would think, gosh, you know, why did you wait so long? You know, can't you see that animal was suffering? But it's such an individualized thing that we really need to be careful not to be judgmental about that. Um, And then it's our goal, of course, 
as the veterinarian or veterinary staff to help try and ease that transition for people as much as possible. Um, Oftentimes I go to people's homes to euthanize their animals so that that animal can die in its own backyard um, or in its own living room surrounded by people it loves. Other people choose not to be present. Um, You know, options for body care uh, after euthanasia. People can bury them, of course, but then there's cremation with or without ashes back. And so there's this whole issue of things that need to be discussed and decided and figured out. And my goal is to always make that difficult situation as positive an experience as possible Mm -hmm. because people will remember that their whole life. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I've seen that. I've seen that. There's a difference, of course, uh, between end-of-life decisions in humans and end-of-life decisions in pets. Uh, You know, uh, euthanasia is illegal in most places for humans. Um, for pets, it's long practiced and accepted. It is. And it's it's an interesting thing when you think about what we discussed earlier in this program, which was how animals are becoming more people-like to us. They're more like children or grandchildren. They're more an integral part of our family. And yet we still legally can say, you know what? You've lived a good long life, but I'm not going to ask you to continue on in the way you are. Um, I'm going to let you go and allow that release. And I tell people all the time, this is something we can do for our pets that we can't even do for our parents. Mm -hmm. And whether you agree with that philosophy or not, um, I hope that that aspect of vet medicine never changes. Because as people, we may or may not say, Well, we need to live our lives until the very end because we have things to learn, right? We're in this to learn something. Animals are pure at heart, and my personal philosophy is they're here to make us happy, and that is their goal, and they do a great job, and they do not need to learn Mm. like we do maybe. so. Are you seeing a shift in people's attitudes uh, toward those end-of-life decisions regarding their pets, A uh, perhaps a, a greater reticence to euthanize? No, I don't think so. I think what I have seen a shift in is um, the memorial-type situations where I mentioned before cremation with ashes back. There's beautiful urns that people can buy. There's putty that you can do paw prints in as a remembrance. You know, um, there's just all these different things that people can do to memorialize their pet, um, which is great. I mean, think of all the years of joy and love that that animal provided and to be able to document that in some way. Hmm. Uh, Here's another post on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, uh, just a uh, a comment. Uh, Holly McAdam-Ellett says, poor bandit, referring to uh, Bennett Purser's uh, little white uh, dog who uh, whose uh, picture is on our original post, and, uh, of course, Bandit is no longer with us. Uh, but, of course, uh, Bennett and others remember uh, remember him or her uh, very fondly. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's... That's an example. We, we remember the people in our lives. We remember the pets in our lives. Yep. And one of the things that um, I was going to say about that is oftentimes when people have lost a pet, obviously it's very difficult and emotional. And they'll say, oh, my goodness, I can't ever do this again. You know, it's just too hard. And certainly that is a normal part of that grieving process. Um, but I encourage people to remember all the joy and love they gave you for all those years um, and, you know, open yourself to maybe be willing to do that again. The other thing I I hear a lot is, gosh, you know, why do they have to go so soon? You know, 15 years or 18 years uh, doesn't seem very long at all, and it doesn't. But if it hurts that much after just those 15 short years, what would it be like if these animals were with us for much longer than that, yeah. you know, yeah, 40, 50 years. And, of course, you're looking at that with birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking at people who have African greys or some of the other parrots. Those animals are very long-lived. And going back to our taking care of animals in case of an emergency, the reality is, is if you're 50 and you're buying a new bird, 
you need to be making plans for that bird's health care or care in general, um, perhaps after you yourself are no longer here. Or if you are elderly and you have pets, it's great that elderly people have pets. It's, you know, they're so beneficial in regards to companionship and lowering blood pressure and, you know, fighting depression and all of those things. Um, but have you thought about where that dog or where that cat's going to go um, if you are no longer able to take care of it? In whatever form. And so I encourage people to think about those things. Um, and that's something, I guess we get into that mode. We, we're so used to uh, surviving our pets. Our pets will go before we do. That's something that's a good thing to think about. Uh, here's another post from uh, Holly McAdam Ellett. This is Harrington in the bath. Not so happy. <laughs> this, I, <laughs> that's I, a I, great I, picture. <laughs> I encourage you to go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page to see this one. Uh, he's, a, he's a brown dog. Uh, he he's his hair is all matted with the with the water and he and he is not looking very happy. Holly, I thought you were going to tell us there that uh, it was after he had gotten skunked or something, and that's why he was in the tub looking so sad. Yeah, we don't know whether this is a regular bath or whether there was an emergency, but uh, very very cute, uh, Holly. Thanks for that picture. We're encouraging you to post your picture and comment as well on the Utah Public Radio Facebook page. We're enjoying getting to know your pet, and uh, you can ask your question, Doctor Melinda Hillegas from. Uh, Mountain View Veterinary Health Center with clinics in North Logan and Providence. Uh, we are going to take another break. Uh, by the way, you can reach us at 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. You can reach us by email, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Or the way most people are engaging with us today is on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, and we understand that, encourage that, because you can post a picture there, and we'd love to see that uh, cute picture of your pet. We've had, uh, let's see, dogs and cats and horses uh, so far. Maybe you have an exotic animal you'd like to, to post. Uh, the uh, place is Utah Public Radio Facebook page. We are going to talk a bit about uh, pet health insurance when we come back. Um, and uh, Dr. Hillegas, before we went on the air, said something interesting. We're uh, more and more uh, wanting human-level care for our pets. But does that mean quality care? And how do you, how do, you do that? And uh, I'm interested in uh, talking a little bit about mental health in pets. We'll talk a bit about that as we have time. Uh, more following break. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll trace the unmistakable tone of the blues from Africa to America and to Europe and South America, too. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howard. Join us for Blues Around the World, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Friday nights at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Junction City Roller Doll Trainwrecks, skating this Saturday, September 28th, against the Cheyenne Cappy Dolls. Bouts begin at 6 p.m. at the Golden Spike Event Center Exhibit Hall in Ogden. Information at JunctionCityRollerDolls.com. And by USU's Partners in Business 39th Annual Operational Excellence Conference, October 2nd and 3rd at the USU Eccles Conference Center. Featuring keynote speakers Joseph Swartz, Brian Crowell, and Richard Williams. Details at partners.usu.edu. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we are talking about your pet on the program today. There's been a lot of debate recently about how to get uh, the right health care for you and your family. What about one of the most important members of the family, your pet? Well, Dr. Melinda Hillegas from Mountain View Veterinary Health Center in North Logan and Providence is answering your pet health and care questions. She can also answer your animal behavior questions. We've heard about a, a woman earlier in the program who has trained her cats. Uh, perhaps you'd like to take on that challenge. Uh, the number to call is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can reach us on our uh, web on our email, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And uh, this is where uh, most people are engaging with us today, understandably so, uh, because you can post a picture. And that's our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. And we have some uh, just some interesting uh, 
uh, photos of uh, your pets. Here are a couple more that have been posted just in the last couple of minutes. Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Uh, Tamron Hamlin Ratiet is back with uh, here is my daughter's dog Toto. She's such a sweet, wonderful dog. A small dog, black and white. <laughs> she does look sweet uh, with a smiley face, uh, Tamara says. And uh, then Shelly uh, Weekend Kutinik. Uh, Annie is a huge part of the family. She did a little paddle boarding this summer at Bear Lake. And uh, Annie is uh, looks like another black and brown dog. Can't tell quite how how big Annie is because the picture is of extreme close up. Yeah, it looks like a maybe a pointer or a hound there, big ears, but uh, yeah, definitely a bigger dog. Looks like Annie on the front of the paddleboard, and uh, probably Shelley's uh, son or daughter uh, in the back, and it's uh, she's uh, Annie's really enjoying that. So uh, we'd love to get a picture of your pet. Thank you to everyone who's uh, posting, and of course uh, you can uh, go and look at those on our Utah Public Radio uh, Facebook uh, page. Uh, you said something interesting, Dr. Hillegas, before we went on the air, <clears throat> you, and we've talked about a little bit about this earlier in the program. People are wanting what you may have thought of in the past as more human-level care for their pets. That doesn't necessarily, you said, equate to quality care. Yeah. Um, you know, we did talk earlier about special to, specialists in veterinary care, and certainly, you know, animals that require more specialized care, it's great that those people are out there. Um, but one thing, and it goes back to our talk about euthanasia as well, is that um, my my personal philosophy is there are worse things in life than death. And, um, you know, we have that ability to release our animals from um discomfort and pain and poor quality of life issues. And although um, it's great to pursue uh, levels of care that um, correct problems or help them, um, we want to make sure that we're not keeping animals alive for the wrong reason, you know. Um, And Lots of people, most people realize that, you know, when they're making end-of-life decisions for their pet is, am I keeping them alive because I'm being selfish, because, you know, I'm not ready to let them go yet. And um, it is a great act of love uh, to let them go when it's their time, even if it's not your time. Um, And so, again, you know, I'm not saying don't pursue high-level quality care for them no matter what their disease. Um, I'm not saying that do that. But remember and keep in mind, uh, why are you doing that? And, uh, um, and help uh, and just make those decisions as best you can uh, when you're going through that process with them. I want to follow up on something you were saying earlier in the program, Dr. Hillegas, um, and that is when a pet dies, of course, you go through a grieving process. And some people uh, think and say, I just can't go through that again. I don't want to get another pet. You're encouraging people to, to at least think about. Leave themselves you, open you, to you that. Leave themselves open. Yep. And what about timing? On yeah, that? what that's about an timing? excellent question. Um, people ask me that a lot. And what I've learned in 20 years is that everyone's timing is different. Uh, there are some people who three, four, seven days without a pet, and they are just going absolutely stir crazy. And they go and get another pet at that time. And, you know, that's just a very individualized um, decision. For me personally, I've realized over the course of my life that I'm a two to three year kind of person. Mm. It takes me two or three years to kind of work through that and be ready for another pet for myself. You know, now, one thing about us is we have lots of pets. I think we've got 15 or so at last count at our house with dogs and cats and chickens and horses and sheep and all of those things. Um, So it's not like I don't have other animals around. But as far as, you know, me getting an animal, a dog, another dog, um, and I just did that actually last October. I adopted a dog. I found her on PetFinder.com. She was in a shelter down in Texas. And uh, she looked interesting. And so I, you know, communicated with them and over the course of several weeks, found out what I could about her and ended up adopting her. And a great volunteer took her over to Houston and put her on a plane for me, and she flew right into Salt Lake City. So um, 
you know, so when you are ready, you know, the other thing to think about is, are you going to go with a shelter animal? Are you going to go with a rescued animal? Are you going to get a a puppy? Are you going to get a mature dog? Are you going to get an older dog? Lots of older animals out there that need homes, Mm -hmm. lots of them. Um, And going back to our comment earlier about uh, older people who have animals, you know, something to think about is maybe if you want a pet and you're older, maybe you adopt an older animal because you guys are kind of going through similar life issues. Um, You know, you're not going to have to commit to 16 or 18 years for an animal that you have. And um, maybe their last six or eight years with you will be uh, the best years of their life. And and then you're aging together, you know, so things to think about. I hadn't heard about PetFinder. Yeah. Petfinder.com. This is a place you can go and try to match yourself up with a with a pet. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can select, you know, uh, breed of animal, uh, dog, cat, male, female, young, middle aged, older. So, and it'll narrow down the search for you. So, it was really interesting. I originally put out feelers on four dogs, and this uh, shelter down in Texas did a great job. They had done a behavioral analysis on her, um, and so when I inquired about her, they were able to tell me, you know, about her personality. They sent me videos, how she was with kids, how she was with cats, um, how she was with men, um, so that I could see that. Because when you're dealing with shelter animals, you never know quite what they've been through. And uh, we all have our own issues, don't we? We all have things about our psyches that work better than others. But um, it's just an issue of just finding that pet that works for you, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody's perfect, but do they work for you? So this is something that could help you in that decision. What what other uh, pieces of advice could you give people in general? In general, you know, one of the things you really want to look at is your own lifestyle. We talked about that earlier when we were talking about animals and weight. You know, if you are the type of person who is mostly a couch potato or you work long hours of the day, things that you need to think about are what's the energy level of the pet that you're getting. Um, you know, it's very sad to me to see animals that are very, very high energy and yet the owners, because of their lifestyle or their choices, have these animals confined for extended periods of time. Um, And that's just, you know, detrimental to the animal. They don't get the exercise. They don't get the emotional release. And then we start to see medical problems associated with that, things like obsessive compulsive disorder uh, or obesity. That's a huge one. And so one thing a veterinarian can do for you is if you go in and speak with them before you start looking for that new pet, um, we can help you kind of identify those things um, that you need to take into consideration when you're looking for that animal. You know, what are the certain personality characteristics of certain breeds and how does that, you know, fit for you? So um, that's where your veterinarian can be really helpful even before you get that animal. And oftentimes people don't think about that. We see them after they've had that pet for two or three weeks. Um, And then if you go and get a puppy or you go and get a new dog, Take it on the condition that your vet's going to check it out, not only from a physical standpoint, but from an emotional or mental or behavioral standpoint. You know, there are tests we can do in the office to identify, does this dog have fear aggression issues? Does this dog been socialized correctly? Um, and then at least you know, if you choose to get that animal, what what you have in store for you, you Mm -hmm. know. And there are behavioral modification things that, you know, you can do to help these animals through these issues as well. But you're... At that point, you're committed to helping them. You're not getting something unexpected. Right, right. Yeah, that does make a lot more sense. You're gonna be, you're gonna be with this animal for a long time, rather than you know getting that puppy in the window. You know the, the stereotype. We have uh, several more pictures on our Facebook page. This is uh, really cute. Uh, this is from Holly McAdamellet. She uh, posts again. This is Percy now passed away. He loved the smell of musty leaves because it reminded him of his other favorite uh, smell: dirty socks. <laughs> and this is Percy, who's a, who's a white dog, very cute, in a pile of leaves. So very, very nice. Thank you for that, uh, Holly. And if I can get to uh, some of these quickly enough, we can uh, we can bring these these up. I'm trying to navigate quickly through uh, Facebook. It's not my uh, number one skill. Um, let's see. Uh, just from John Hines. And the photo is not coming up, but uh, the caption is, Sparky was stolen in Ogden from a secure backyard during a string of neighborhood burglaries. So that's too bad. Oh, that's uh, horrible. So hopefully, you know, maybe he could, oh, here we go. 
here on the other side. Let's talk about that for just a minute. You know, how do you identify your pet um, in case they're lost or stolen? Um, And one thing that uh, is available out there is microchipping, which I wish that every person who has a pet, dog, cat, um, would do is get them microchipped. Now, some people are a little confused about microchipping. They think that it has like a GPS-type component to it where you can actually track the animal and find them. Uh, That is not the case. But a microchip, it's about the size of a long grain of brown rice, and it's inserted under the skin using just a needle, just like we would give a normal injection. Um, And it attaches to underlying tissue there, and so it's anchored in that spot. And when you run a scanner over that, so animal control or a shelter or let's say your dog is stolen and you think you've identified where the dog is well how can you be sure that that white fluffy dog is yours you know how do you prove that that what you know possessions nine-tenths of the law so how do you do that well you get a microchip scanner and you identify that that chip number is registered to that animal who is registered to you So it's a great form of identification. Tags, collars can be lost or broken. You know, a dog breaks out of a kennel or slips a leash when you're on a walk or something like that. No tags, no form of identification at all on that animal. How, How can you identify them? And microchipping is a great way. It's relatively inexpensive. It costs about $40 to $50 to buy the chip and have it implanted. Um, and then Home Again or Avid, which are two of the main companies that service microchipping, those animals go into a huge database with your contact information. So even if a Good Samaritan finds your dog and is able to scan it or has the tag on that has the microchip number on it, because they'll give you a little tag with an 800 number to call the company, then they can immediately call you and say, hey, this person has found your dog. Hmm. So. Great, great ideas, uh, and we're, we're we're sorry for your for your loss, uh, John. Hope you can find uh, Sparky. Uh, so that picture did come up. Sparky's a very cute, um, has kind of a uh, mask over the eyes of uh, white, but uh, but brown and uh, and black over the eyes and ears. And here's another post from John with the the poster for they're trying to find Sparky. So perhaps our listeners can go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, look at this, and there's a phone number if you have any information you could call. Uh, John John Hines with with their trying to find Sparky, and it's not uncommon for burglars to let dogs loose out of yards because obviously they're alarmists, right? They they tell us what's going on in the neighborhood, and and here's a a picture uh, that came in by email. Uh, this is from Ellen. The, she says, uh, "This is Benson listening to a cat argument on YouTube." Uh, ben is a pet pet finder dog that you were talking about, doctor. Yeah. He came to me uh, extremely kennel shy, and thanks to his trainer and all the people, especially children in my neighborhood, he's come a long way. And uh, Benson is a is a very cute um, a little dog. Listening to cat YouTube, very nice. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Ellen, for that picture. Um, I wonder, just we have one minute left, uh, Doctor Hillegas. What what's one piece of advice you would uh, you would tell people about their pet's health? You know, the thing that I would like people to leave this program understanding is that um, just like human beings, animals require regular pet care, regular veterinary care. Um, We want those animals to be seen at least yearly. How many times do people say, oh, my dog's five now. How much is that in people years? Well, that's 35 years old, which means that if I don't see your animal but once a year, they have aged seven years since the last time I saw them. It is imperative that animals are seen by a veterinarian for a full, comprehensive physical exam at least once yearly. And once they hit seven, which is senior, senior at seven, they should be seeing me twice a year. Like I tell people, there's no way my mother's doctor is going to let her get away with no blood work for three months, let alone three years. Right. So please, it's not just about vaccinations. Get them seen yearly for a comprehensive physical exam. Good advice. We've been talking to Dr. Melinda Hillegas. Uh, she is with Mountain View Veterinary Health Center in Providence and North Logan. And uh, don't forget their uh, food drive, which is coming up in October. Just uh, go to their clinic in Providence or North Logan to to help with that. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, it's a novel uh, set in Iraq. It's about soldiers at the forward operating base, those soldiers which, who stay behind while the others go and fight. The Fobbit is what it's called. Uh, that is tomorrow on the program. Hope you'll join me then. 
And for producer Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today. KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KUSU FM HD1 Logan.